0: We turn to our scripture reading now, which uh, comes from the Gospel according to John. If you would like to turn there in your Pew Bibles, it's page 1645. So we're looking at uh, the fourth Gospel, Gospel according to John, chapter 1. There are only two Gospels that really tell us or tell the birth story of Jesus directly. That's Matthew and Luke, and then the Gospel of John does tell us uh, about the birth of Christ, but from a rather theological perspective. We're going to read the first uh, 29 verses tonight of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of a human decision or a husband's will, But born of God, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said... He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God The one and only who is at the Father's side has made him known. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sisters and brothers in Jesus Christ, by now you've probably all heard the term "naked packaging." No longer does Amazon take your your new printer that's uh, that you ordered, whether it's Canon or Hewlett Packard or Brother, that's boldly printed across the side. No longer do they throw that carton into another brown cardboard carton and then put that on the porch of your house. No. Now instead, they take that that printer box, complete with the, the nice, beautiful, big color picture of what's inside the box, right on the side, and that's what they put right on your porch for everyone to see. This is so your local porch pirates can choose exactly what it is they want to steal and leave what they don't want alone. That's naked packaging. Nothing's hidden. What you see is what you get. And the question I'd like us to consider tonight is this. When God came into our world in the person of Jesus, did he come in naked packaging? There's plenty here in John 1 that would seem to say no. No. That when God came into the world, he came in disguise. He came in a brown cardboard carton. That his identity was actually hidden. It was not plain for people to see who this was. And that seems to be the case in this highly theological portion of John 1 that we call the prologue. That was the first 18 verses or so of John 1. There we're told, or John tells us, that Jesus came as the elusive word. The word. And thus we're told that even though the world was actually made through him, the world did not recognize him. The world did not recognize him. And then John goes on to say, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He was rejected. Rejected by his own, by the very people he came to save. And then when the chapter moves out of that theological section and gets into the narrative stuff that we so often adore, we hear the very same theme, really. John the baptizer is being questioned by the Pharisees. That question comes at him time and again. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And John is saying... It's not important who I am. I came to point to somebody else. But even when John points to that someone else, all he can say is that among you stands one you do not know. One you don't recognize. In other words, this one could could stand right behind you in that baptism line as you're shuffling your way to the water's edge and waiting your turn to be dunked by John, you would actually have no clue who it was that was standing right in front of you in line. Among you stands one you do not know. Was Jesus God in naked packaging? I think our initial answer would have to be no. Jesus Rather, was unrecognized. He was rejected. He was overlooked. He must have been God in disguise. God in disguise. Every so often, we, we find that theme, that theme in, in film. It's usually you know, made for television stuff, kind of the Hallmarky stuff, if you ask me. But this theme of hidden identity. In fact, I, I Googled this week, uh, movies where the princess comes in disguise. And I was amazed to see how many movie titles popped up. The Princess Protection Program, Royally Undercover, all sorts of movie titles like that. And the plots are all pretty much the same. Some princess needs to hide out among us common folk for a while, and so she puts her credentials away and she mixes it up with the rest of us for a change. But then, of course, in the course of things, she falls in love with a commoner, and then she doesn't know what to do. Should she reveal her true royal self, or should she continue to, to go undercover? Well, this is, this is what some people think is the story of Jesus. That Jesus was, was God sort of trying to pass himself off as a commoner for a while before, before going back to being God again. In their minds, that's what Christmas is really all about. It's, it's about God putting on, dis, on a disguise and, and coming to the earth for a visit, sort of a 30-year a staycation. And it never occurs to them or to us that Jesus actually might have been God in naked pass, packaging God without disguise. What you see is what you get. It's it's easy to lull ourselves, I think, in, in the other direction because we have this notion that surely if God were to come to the earth and visit us undisguised, if God were to come, there's no way that we would miss him I mean, you can't disguise raw power or royalty or fame or affluence. You just can't, right? Sooner or later, sooner or later, it's going to bleed through. You can't conceal those kinds of things forever. The cream naturally rises to the top, right? And so it's no surprise to us to hear names like Caesar Augustus and King Herod and even Quirinius the governor sprinkled into the Christmas story. I mean, that's what we think, right? After all, if, if God did come to visit, the welcoming party would certainly be a who's who of power and influence, right? For some reason, we don't take literally this idea that God could come as one completely overlooked And yet, isn't that the way it really happened? Among you stands one you do not know. You do not recognize. He looks just like one of you. Sure, Luke tells us that Jesus was born to much acclaim, right? I mean, few of us were announced by angels when we came into the world. Few of us think we were, but probably not. But if you look hard at Luke, you quickly see that the only ones who were there to benefit from the announcement were some mangy shepherds, completely overlooked in their own right. In fact, the Christmas story is like a recitation of societies invisible and ignored. A pregnant teenager, a penniless father, smelly shepherds, magi. Magi who are probably less kings and more infomercial hucksters. Matthew, in his gospel, highlights for us that Jesus got his heritage from an Old Testament lower caste and even a subservient gender, the likes of Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, all the unremarkable ones are there, many of whom we'd just rather forget. And while some of us keep thinking that at some point Jesus is going to take off his disguise, He never does. He was perfectly willing to remain anonymous to the Herods and the Caesars and the pilots of the world and to make himself known to the blind and the deaf and the lepers and the prostitutes and the fishermen and the soldiers and so very many others who were also the invisible members of the world, living on the margins of society or the other side of the tracks. Scott Jose says that the mighty word of God who spoke the world into existence was perfectly content to come into this world less as a word and more as a whisper. He never took off that disguise because it wasn't the disguise. Among you stands one you do not know. Why didn't we know him? Was Jesus really God in disguise? Or was he God in naked packaging and and we just plain failed not to see him, not to recognize him. Among you stands one you do not know. It strikes me that that is still true even today. He stands among us, completely overlooked. I took a walk through my neighborhood a few nights ago and saw all of my neighbor's lawn displays, all of their lights, everything like that. They were clearly celebratory, right? I mean, lights themselves on a, on a cold, dark winter night are just cheery. And I saw words like joy and peace and, and goodwill, all kind of hopeful stuff but I'm not sure that we actually relate any of it to Jesus anymore. I mean, One Yard, for example, had a a huge Santa Claus, and he was overlooking some larger-than-life reindeer. And I think there was a 12-foot-high Olaf there as well. I don't know how he got in the deal. And then sort of off to the side, there was the word joy, with a spotlight shining on it. And if you look really close at the inside bottom of the letter O, there was a little manger, and even a smaller child in the manger, and two rather tired people looking over the manger. That little child was the source of all of this stuff. He was the cause of it all. All the lights, all the decorations, all the hope. And yet he was the most inconspicuous figure there. The most easy to overlook. Among you stands one you do not know. You do not recognize for those who who go to church here if you think back to our study of Philippians uh, this year you'll recall that the Apostle Paul did not think that about Jesus he did not think Jesus was just posing that he came as God in disguise you know, he was posing as humble what Paul said is, is, no, Jesus actually came to show us the true nature of, of God. But that true nature of God is, is startling to us. It's, it's unimpressive. It's unremarkable. It's a little anonymous. It's giving, it's sacrificing, it's suffering, it's serving. That's who God is. Paul said, Jesus is God in naked packaging. What you see is exactly what you get. It's exactly who he is. In other words, this wasn't a part-time gig. This was no disguise. This was God. Jesus, this was God. Which means something, I think. I mean, for one, like knows like, right? And like sees like. Jesus is much more able to see the ones that the world tends to overlook, isn't he? because he was among them. The homeless, the street people, the working poor, the socially awkward, the lonely, the depressed, the confused. Jesus saw them all. He knew their names. They were his friends. These people are also among us yet most of the time we really don't know who they are. Among us stand those we do not know. Who are they? They are image bearers of God. They are children of the Heavenly Father. They are precisely the last and the least and the lost and the lonely whom Jesus came to save. They are the poor to whom Jesus came preaching good news. They are the captives to whom he preached release. They are the ones who received him. They are the ones who received him. Not everyone did. Remember what John told us, Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Not everyone received him. But to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, do you hear that? Those who were clearly thought to be his own Those who looked the part, they did not receive him. But there were others, others who were totally overlooked, who no one would have expected, who no one thought they have anything to do with God. They certainly weren't recognized as his own. They received him. Because they were watching for one like him. They were watching for a God like them, a God who knew their names. You think about it, how much hope would there be in this world? How many twinkling lights would you see on the houses if Jesus had come you know, wearing Gucci shoes and Armani suits, carrying a Prada bag. If he'd come hobnobbing with Bill Gates and Brad Pitt and Lori Laughlin and the likes, would we still be hanging out, lights on our lawns? With the mom who's been through two abusive husbands ever turn to that man, Jesus, for help? Would the man on a ventilator in the ICU waste his breath calling the name Jesus? Would the addict on the street ever walk into a mission with the cross of Jesus hanging above the door? Would we still sing joy to the world? The third verse. He makes his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Among you stands one you do not know. Friends, Jesus may be hard to recognize. But there is no one more godlike than him. And for those of us who, by the gift of faith, do recognize him, I hope we understand how how special that is. How unique that is. That our eyes have have actually been opened. How worth celebrating and giving thanks that is. It's an incredible gift to recognize God in Jesus Christ. And it's also an incredible responsibility. Because if the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to recognize Jesus, then He has also opened our eyes to recognize all the other overlooked ones among us, to actually see them and love them. And if the Holy Spirit has actually opened our eyes to recognize Jesus, then he is also pushing us to follow in the footsteps of John the Baptist and to point all those who still need Jesus and who still want Jesus but haven't yet seen him, haven't yet recognized him. He's pushing us to point to Jesus just like John did and to say, there, there he is, right there, right there among you, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who takes away your sin, who will take away your sin. There he is. right right at the inside bottom of that letter O. He's the one in the manger, the little one, the gentle one. So easy to overlook, but he's the source of it all. The light of the world The everlasting word, that's Him. That's God in naked packaging. And He's yours for the receiving. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for showing us who God really is. Someone who loves us. Someone who knows us. No matter who we are. No matter what we've done. No matter how many times we've failed. You showed us a God who cares. A God who loves us. God who became one of us. God who died for us. Lord Jesus, we celebrate your birth tonight. We want to celebrate even more your birth into each one of our hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen.